0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a
1: verse by verse study through the Gospel of John and this is the 95th program in this series. In the previous message I was in John chapter 16 and I was in verse 25 when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, just before he was arrested and then he was crucified. In verse 25, Jesus said to his disciples, These things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. So Jesus tells the disciples that he's speaking to them figuratively or parabolically about the Father. This would give them an opportunity to reject what he has to say if they do not want to believe in Jesus. And of course the disciples did want to believe in him, but this is just a general way of understanding one of the purposes of Jesus speaking figuratively or parabolically. Another issue is that there are some things that can be better understood if they are presented in a story format or in a parabolic way, in a figurative way, there can be opportunities for things to be understood when you're able to compare difficult ideas with other ideas that are easier to understand. So there is an opportunity for that through his figurative speech, through his parabolic presentation of the truth. But in addition to that, it's important to recognize that there are things of God that can only be understood when the Spirit of God is dwelling within a person. And at this time, the disciples were spiritually dead. They were not resurrected through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. There were limitations concerning what they could understand because that is the design of God. Now, Jesus is about to die for the sins of the world, He is going to resurrect from the dead. He is going to send the Holy Spirit to them. The Holy Spirit will be able to dwell within them eternally because all of their sins will be forgiven. There will be no sin left unforgiven that could cause the Holy Spirit to depart from within them. This is the good news. This is the gospel, and this is what Jesus is about to accomplish, but he has not yet accomplished it. So they are in a state such that they can only bear so much. They can only understand so much. And today it's the same thing. When you have someone who is spiritually dead, who has not been saved, there are limitations concerning what they will be able to understand, what they will be able to bear. Sometimes it can be helpful to speak to them directly. Other times it can be more helpful to speak figuratively or parabolically, and we really need to depend on the Holy Spirit of God to guide us and to direct us when we are speaking with people who don't know him. There will, of course, be times when the Lord does not give us any guidance, and we can certainly be free to speak to people however we want, and in whatever way we are able. And there are ways that the Lord can use anything that we communicate about him. Now, in verse 26, Jesus begins to speak about asking things of God. And this is where I was at at the end of the previous message, speaking about the things that we would ask of God. And I was explaining that two of the important issues that I think we should remember or be reminded of as I've spoken about this topic throughout this conversation that Jesus has had with his disciples, because he's mentioned it multiple times a lot of repetition when it comes to asking things of God. In the previous program, I spoke about the importance of asking things of God because there is an opportunity for things about ourselves to be revealed, that we can learn things about ourselves. And we will also be able to learn many things about our God, especially when he doesn't do whatever we ask him to do that there are things that we will be able to learn about ourselves, there are things that we will be able to learn about our God, and through the open communication that can exist because of the connection between our spirit and His spirit, when we have been born again by the Holy Spirit, because of this, we will have new opportunities to grow and mature as a person as our God helps us to understand more things And as he is able to reveal the truth to us in a way that we can live in reality from his point of view. Now, in this program, I would like to continue with this theme of asking things of God. But in this case, the Lord gives a little bit more information with the repetition that Jesus presents. When speaking with his disciples about these things, about asking things of God, about the importance of the coming of the Holy Spirit, with each repetition, he has an opportunity to add more details, to add more information. And here in John chapter 16, he does provide some additional details that we should recognize when it comes to asking things of God. I'm going to go back to verse 12 for just a moment. In John chapter 16, verse 12, Jesus said to his disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So this is important to recognize that there is going to be the revelation of truth. If we are going to make requests to our God, one of the requests that we should be making should be the revelation of truth. When we ask our God for something, for anything, the truth is something that is important to him, that we may know the truth. The truth of what? The truth of him, the truth of our circumstances in life, the truth of ourselves. When we are living our daily lives, we are relentlessly confronted with circumstances, situations, relationships, decisions that need to be made. And the more we understand the truth of our lives, of ourselves, of our God, of others, of circumstances that we are presented with, the better the decisions we will be able to make. But in order to know what the truth is, we will quite often have the need for the discernment of God, because in our condition, we're not always going to know the truth that would really make the difference when it comes to our daily lives. This is an important part of the relationship that God establishes with us. He makes himself available to us so that we can ask him, what do you see? What do you understand? What can you reveal to me so that I can make a better decision in this situation that I am in? This is a really important part of the relationship that God has established with us. In verse 13, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. This is something that God wants to give. And so if we are going to be asking things of our God, we should definitely take this into consideration and keep this in mind. Ask of your God what he wants to give. And if you are able to bear the truth that he would like to share, I am confident that he will share that. And if you are not in a condition such that you will be able to bear the truth that he would like to reveal, he probably won't say anything. You might feel as though your prayers are not being answered. Because what's he going to say? He could definitely say a lot, but you are not yet ready to bear, to understand, to appreciate what he would like to share. And so consider that to be an opportunity to see that you have a lot more growing to do, that there are other things that you need to grow in, that you need to mature in. There are other revelations that God has revealed to you already that you may not have been willing to embrace yet. Your distorted view of reality will get in the way. And this is normal. This is not unusual. This is a struggle to embrace. It's not an opportunity for us to Recognize our inadequacies and just simply abandon everything. It's an opportunity for us to recognize our inadequacies and embrace that reality and say, yes, this is where I am. This is who I am. This is the struggle that I'm having right now. And I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to struggle with it. I'm going to wrestle with it. Knowing that the more that I work through this, the more that I wrestle with these issues, The more that I pursue a true and real understanding of my God, the more I will move in a positive direction. And over time, these issues will be worked through and my God will change and transform me into another person who I will be in the future. But this is who I am now. And understanding that I will embrace that and I will live the struggle I will wrestle with my God. Continuing into verse 14, John chapter 16, verse 14, He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. The Spirit of God will reveal more about who Jesus is, who your God is, will reveal more of what he has, and he will declare it to you. Why? What for? so that you can understand what he has to offer. And what does he really have to offer? He offers himself. The Spirit of God will declare Jesus to you, will reveal to you more of who he is, will glorify the Lord your God. All of those phrases are ways to understand that what your God is offering to you, more than anything, is himself. And so when you consider the offer of truth, when you see the offer of understanding, the offer of discernment, and in just a moment I'll show you the offer of his love, he really is offering himself and these are descriptive ways of understanding that. So when you ask of your God, ask In a way that is consistent with what he has to offer. The more you understand what your God has to offer, the more you will ask in accordance with what he has to offer. Into verse 15. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. That's John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. I'm going to move forward into verse 26. With these additional details, with this information, we can go down to John chapter 16, verse 26, and see Jesus said, In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. Now, this is figurative speech. It is an abstract description. It is a parabolic explanation. But what he is saying is repetition that he really is the living God, that he and the Father are one. It really is the same person. And in that day, whatever day that may be, a day will come when you will recognize that this is the same person. And so you're not going to ask Jesus specifically, you're going to be asking the Father. You're going to be asking your God. You're going to have a better understanding of who he is as you put these pieces together. When you put these pieces together of the Father, the Son, Jesus, the Father in heaven, when you put all these pieces together, you're going to see that you really have one person with whom you have a relationship with. And in verse 26, to ask in his name means that the only reason why you have any relationship with him at all is because of what he did when he manifested in the flesh as the Lord Jesus and resolved the sin problem between you and your God. In his name is to say in recognition of what he's done for you, that your relationship with him is not based on what you have done for God. It is based on what He has done for you. Again, in verse 26, in that day you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. The reason why is because you're speaking to the Father. Jesus is not some intermediary through whom you have communication to the Father. You don't give the message to Jesus and Jesus passes the message off to the Father. No, you have direct communication with the Father, with your God, the one who dwells within you, whose spirit is directly connected to yours, who has effectively made your spirit alive through dwelling within your spirit. So you speak to your God directly. Verse 27, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. Well, you have loved Jesus in the sense that you are responding to the love that God has expressed to you through the Lord Jesus. And through this initial connection, this gives you the transition such that you are, in effect, loving your God. Your God is responding to you because you believe that he has provided you with the forgiveness of sins and the restoration of life. You are then going to be loved by your God because he will give you his love. And this is unconditional. It has nothing to do with you meeting any conditions. It has nothing to do with what you do. It has to do with what you believe, with what you will see. God has spoken. He has told the truth. If you will believe the truth, he will be able to give his love to you. It starts with forgiveness. That is an expression of his love. It continues such that he will dwell within you. That is an expression of love. He will open himself up to you. He will share the truth with you. This is an expression of love. So when you ask of God, ask for him to love you. He definitely has that to offer. He will give that. And what is he giving in the context of his love? He is giving himself. Again, in verse 27, for the father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. Just as I said, the foundation is that you believe your God, that you believe That he came, that he showed up, that he manifested in the way that he did. And in this figurative sense, that you believe that Jesus came from God. That is a figurative, parabolic way of expressing that Jesus is God. You believe this. This is what gets you started. This is the beginning of a relationship between you and your God. It begins with you believing what he has to say. Verse 28... I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said to him, See, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Really? His disciples say that? His disciples said, Now we say that you're speaking plainly. Well, Jesus didn't say that. He said that he was speaking figuratively. There appears to be a disconnect between Jesus and his disciples in terms of understanding, in terms of the revelation of the truth. It is obvious that they definitely cannot bear what he has to say. Just as he said in verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Can't you tell? It's obvious Especially when they say this. Again in verse 29, his disciples said to him, See, now you are speaking plainly and using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this we believe that you came forth from God. They're sure? Are they really sure? What are they saying? They are saying, we are sure that you know all things. Well, how can they be so sure? They obviously don't understand the things that he is saying. So what do they mean by we are sure? They're asking questions amongst each other. Do you understand what he's saying? That I'm going to go away, I'm going to come back, I'm going to this, I'm going to that. Does anybody here understand what he's talking about? How can they be sure of anything? In verse 30, when they say this, to me, this is a way of pretending. They are pretending to understand what he's talking about by making a statement that is unrelated to what he is talking about. This is an expression of desperation, of trying to still maintain some kind of connectivity with Jesus to say, Now we are sure. You're sure of what? We are sure that you know all things. Obviously, we don't know anything, but we are sure that you know all things. Well, how can they be so sure? That's what I mean, is that they can't be sure because they don't get it either. They don't understand. They continue and they say, and have no need that anyone should question you. Well, of course, he doesn't have any need for anyone to question him. But what about them? Don't they want to ask him a question? That's what they were just talking about. That's what Jesus confronted them over. You guys are asking each other what I just said. Why don't you ask me? Oh, no, you don't need us to ask you anything. Again, they did not ask Jesus for more clarification concerning what he was saying. They didn't ask him any more questions. They were asking each other, but they wouldn't ask him And then they say, you see, you don't need us to ask you anything. There is definitely a disconnect between what Jesus is trying to say to them and what they understand. They don't understand what he is talking about, which is consistent with verse 12. But you go on and you see what Jesus said in verse 31. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? He asks them a question. Do you Do you really, do you now believe just all of a sudden, now you believe, What? what is it that you believe? Verse 30, you believe that I know all things. Good for you. You don't know anything that I know, but you're willing to believe this without being able to even verify that I do know things because you don't know these things. So how can you really know that I know? You don't know. So when Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Really? Really? Do you really want me to be impressed by that? What about what you just said, that I have no need that anyone should question me? That's in verse 30, and have no need that anyone should question you. Do you really believe this? You really believe that I don't need anyone to question me? Well, haven't you noticed throughout the last several years that I really did not need anyone to question me anyway? Are you now coming to this realization? Are you now getting this revelation that I don't need anyone to question me? Do you really believe that? Do you really? And is that really going to help? That's verse 31. So what can he do? What can Jesus say? Verse 32. Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. He says, do you really believe? No, you don't. You don't really believe that. You don't really believe much of anything. In fact, indeed, you're all going to go away, and you're going to leave me alone. You're going to abandon me. You're going to flee. You're going to run. That's what you're going to do. And I'm going to be left all alone, and I'm going to be crucified. That's what's going to happen. And you remember that I said this because this is happening really soon. It's not going to take long. So you remember it's not going to be difficult for you to keep this in your memory because this is going to happen quickly. We're talking just a matter of hours. And so you want to believe something? Believe this. You're all going to run off. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So at least he gives them some encouragement to remember when they run away. He genuinely wants them to have peace. He wants them to understand that there will be tribulation. Jesus will overcome the tribulation. And there will be something that comes after that. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 95th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in John chapter 16, verses 26 to 32. And in this program, I was explaining that we are to ask things of God, that Jesus encouraged us to make requests to our God. But in these verses, he added some additional detail, especially within chapter 16, beginning in verse 12 he added the additional details that the Holy Spirit will reveal to us what our God has. And in revealing to us what our God has, he effectively reveals to us what he has to offer. So when we make our requests to our God, we need to take into consideration what he really has to offer us. And what he has to offer us is himself. And Jesus expressed this when he spoke about the love that our God has for us. And I will continue into verse 33 in the next program.
0: You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net